When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. This episode is brought to you by Amazon Prime. You know Amazon Prime is not just a shipping subscription, right? It's got everything, including streaming TV and movies on Prime Video. And of course, Prime's fast, free shipping. Go from watching your favorite shows to getting your favorite things. Whatever you're into, it's on Prime. Visit Amazon.com slash Prime to get more out of whatever you're into. Hello, I'm Rob Beckett. And I'm Josh Whittacombe. Welcome to Parents in Hell, the show in which Josh and I discuss what it's really like to be a parent, which I would say can be a little tricky. So, to make ourselves, and hopefully you, feel better about the trials and tribulations of modern day parenting, each week we'll be chatting to a famous parent about how they're coping. Or hopefully how they're not coping. And we'll also be hearing from you, the listener, with your tips, advice and, of course, tales of parenting woe. Because, let's be honest, there are plenty of times when none of us know what we're doing. Hello, you're listening to Parenting Hell with... Can you say Josh Widdicombe? Josh Widdicombe. And can you say Rob Beckett? Rob Beckett. Well done. That was a good one. All right, until the quite quite an intense cough at the yeah, end. Kids have the most insane coughs. Do you know what I was watching? I was watching that go along. You know, you can see like the set when you're playing a clip. You can see the, the sound waves. Yeah. And I was like, it was just tootling along, and then it finished. I could see there was this huge sound wave thing at the end. I was like, what the hell is about to happen here? <laughs> And it was a mad child cough. Turned out it was a child coughing like they'd had 20 silk cut a day for the last 40 years. It may have. We don't know. We don't know what that that kid's smoking. This is Isaac, two and a half-ish, in one take. Been with you since the beginning and love listening each week. My partner, Ed, often asks what I'm listening to when I'm laughing out loud. And I say, the boys, as you're affectionately known ah, in our house. the boys. The bloody boys. The boys Thanks are back in town. Thanks for making me laugh out loud each week. Emma from? The Wirral. Newcastle. There Fuck. we go. <laughs> oh, no. You win some, you lose some. How are you, Rob? All good, I'm all good, mate. I've, I've got some great uh, messages, if you want them, on Instagram. Go on. Should we do some, we do yeah, some listener stuff do rather than us blabbering on? This yeah. is a good one from Heather. Hi, guys. Following on from Rob's daughter saying she didn't care about him, I thought I'd tell you about my five-year-old daughter. This week, she took a pair of scissors and decided to give herself a fringe when I wasn't Oof. looking. Oh. Naturally, I was mortified, but she sort of did an okay job. I wanted to seem shocked and make her see it was serious and not to do it again. So I threatened her that if she ever did it again, I'll take her tablet away for good and keep it for myself. She just replied with, well, if you do that, I'll just kill you. (laughs) Never have I been so shocked at my sweet little angel. angel. Zero remorse. Did she say how old she was? Five. Oh, my word. I think that five's, like, the limit of that's, like, oh, she doesn't really understand what she's... But anything beyond five is you worried. If she's eight, yeah. then I'll kill you. Yeah, that's yeah. when you've got to worry before you, you become one of them Netflix documentaries. That is, that is superb, isn't it? Really good. Um, really this good one stuff. Made, this, this one made me laugh. He's from Charlotte, Northern Ireland. Love the podcast. I listen to it every week uh, during work. I'm a private cleaner, and thankfully, most houses I visit are empty. When my eldest child's born in 2004, she's now 17, my husband had a goatee. Come May, April time, he shaved it off due to the heat. I mean, our what's Northern Ireland <laughs> in yeah, April? That's incredible. <laughs> the goatee is not even a full beard. <laughs> the heat. Better whip this off. I'm so hot. <laughs> Absolutely boiling. Um, Anyway, she totally rejected him for the first few days due to the change in his appearance. Lots of chats involving daddy's beard ensued, so she she learned to say the word beard as one of her first words. Fast forward to a night I had a bath and sauntered into the bedroom and dropped my towel, only to turn to my daughter who pointed at my nether regions and said very clearly, and a matter of fact, mummy's beard. Oh no. This will never be forgotten. 
And my husband fell about laughing because the baby thought that it was his beard that was now there. Oh, my God. How have the babies made an incredible logical leap? Charlotte from Northern Ireland. Oh, my word. That's a good so one. So shaved it off because of his beard. Because of his it's heat. Too hot. You know what it's hot. like. You know what Belfast likes in April. Belfast in April. Is that 45? Is that the Sahara? I know. Poor old Jerry Adams, eh? Absolutely. <laughs> How does he cope? <laughs> How does he cope every summer? You know, he's only got a goatee and he's got to shave it off because there's too much. <laughs> Jerry Adams, suiting and booting, beard on in Belfast. Having a beard in Belfast? God, you crazy. So hot over there. I was there once and it went to 15 degrees, Josh. <laughs> Mad. Mad. This is a good boomer. Good boomer. And then I've got a horrific email I'm going to email, okay. read out. Boomer story. Hi, Josh and Rob. I'd like to tell you my boomer story. My dad was a keen fisherman and would go regularly lake fishing at the weekend. When I was four, I was taking a bath. He came up to say hi after a long day of fishing. After a short talk about the day, he pulled out a bag and emptied its contents into the bath, shouting snake. He had brought home a live eel. What? And threw it in the bath as a joke. No. I was, of course, terrified and leapt out of the bath. Yeah, of course. I would love to say this was a one-off, but he actually did it again when what? I was six. No. Of course I can I'd laugh about it now. I'd never get in the bath again. No, of course I wouldn't laugh about it now. No, well, she, Leanne reckons it's funny, but she would never do that to her children, which I think is more telling than I ever yes. laugh about it. I can laugh about it now. No one's ever said I can laugh about it now about anything that was funny in the first place. Oh, I went, I went and saw, you know, I went and saw, you know, a comedian. Yeah, I wasn't, well, I can laugh about it now. <laughs> Watch that new Jackass <laughs> film. I can laugh about it now. Not then. No. Um, sister the new Jackass film. That's so good. I just love it. I love Jackass. It's so Do fun. you? Yeah. Did you always love I, it? I used to, always loved it. I always loved Dirty Sanchez as well. Yeah. I just like stuff that is immediately funny and you don't have to think about it or not. I find stuff where there's too much faffing about. No one's surprised you've said that, Rob. That's just, uh, it's much easier. Life's a lot easier, isn't it? It's just instant. Yeah. TikTok generation. Yeah. It's more fun, isn't it? Um, anyway, so that's Leanne Heath, 445 months. Now, do you want this horrific story before we go into the guest? No. This is a horrific right, story. So about... let's have the guest. <laughs> well, this is, this is from uh, Lucy. Lucy emailed in. Hi, Rob. Just listened to your Florida flight disaster podcast. Oh, what a journey you had. So this is basically the reason why my flight was cancelled. This is from Lucy. We were actually on the flight from London to Orlando on the 2nd of April with BA. We were on the flight that had such an ordeal which led to your cancelled flight. This is oh our story. Word. No way. Okay. So basically I woke up, for people that don't know, I woke up at like three in the morning to a cancelled flight on the 3rd of April. For people that don't know, come <laughs> on, Rob. So, here's, so Lucy, 2nd of April, London Gatwick to Orlando. We left on time and we were above Orlando about to land. I was travelling with my three kids, six, four and eight month old baby. Oh my God. <laughs> three of six, four, eight month old baby. So when you've got Above Orlando, you feel like you've cracked it. You feel like you've achieved the flight. The pilot then announced a seatbelt sign for landing would go on in five minutes. As a result, I chucked away the three-course buffet I had brought oh, from home for our kids. Oh, no, 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 no. None no, of no. which they had touched, because you were, you know, you're yeah. not allowed to bring anything into the US, so I had to throw my food away. Then we circled for three hours above Orlando oh, due to a storm. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. We then fly to, my, fly to Miami to refuel oh with the God. intention of coming back to Orlando on the same plane once the storm had passed. We sit on the ground in Miami for two hours. Then depart Miami to fly back to Orlando. When we get to the end of the runway and sit for another hour, at which point we still haven't taken off, the pilot then announced he had run out of legal flying hours. So it was what? back to the gate for us. Oh, my God. Eventually, we get off the plane in Miami. Six-hour delay at this point. We, so, basically, it's a nine, ten-hour flight, so they've been sort of on a plane yeah, for 16 hours. 16 hours. We go through customs and sit in a luggage hall waiting for our bags. No word from BA about the plan or how we get to Orlando. So, Miami's probably about a three- or four-hour drive, I think, up to okay. Orlando from Miami. Yeah. We sit in a luggage hall for three further hours. <laughs> she's got a six-year-old, a four-year-old, and eight-month-old at this point. No seats, no food. Bear in mind there had been no food or water offered since about two hours before the supposed landing at time in Orlando. The whole plane of people collapsed on the floor in luggage hall. Kids asleep everywhere. At this point, my eldest daughter goes hyper and starts scooting around the baggage hall and then vomits everywhere from dehydration. Oh, my God. Oh my there word. is no megaphone slash announcement system in the hall. 
So as a result, a BA crew member was passing messages messages around about the plan, and then this to, then this led to um, Chinese whispers around the passengers. Oh, no. I don't know if it's allowed to be called Chinese whispers anymore. No. Whispers? Whispers. <laughs> whispers. Just, uh, yeah, just whispers. Miscellaneous whispers. Miscellaneous whispers. Well, miscellaneous wh- whispers. Um, after three hours of waiting, finally the bags arrived. BA put on coaches from Miami to Orlando, midnight at this point in the US. However, they warned us there were 200 seats on the coaches and over 1,000 passengers, so not enough seats for everyone. At this point, I gave up waiting for BA and found a guy called Sam Online, who was a local driver, and offered to take us for $800. Five minutes later, after you realised there were so many desperate people, People. He raised the price to $1,400. Oh, my word. Anyway, Sam eventually drove us in a storm from Miami to Orlando. We arrived 24 hours after we left home. I'd oh been totally wired the whole journey and didn't sleep one bit. My middle daughter, who slept for the last six hours of the journey, wakes up for the day, local time, 3 a.m., when we arrive at the hotel. All in all, it was horrific. Don't know if your journey was any better, but also sounding horrific. Anyhow, as a result of our situation on the 2nd of April, it led to your plane not being back in the UK in time to take Uh, you, and so the saga continued. uh, But never mind, two days later, we had recovered and had the best holiday in Orlando with our three kids. I'd do it all over again in a heartbeat. Disney would all... Disney was awesome. No, you wouldn't. (laughs) Absolutely wouldn't. Do you know what someone someone come up to me in the shop and went, Oh, I was listening to your podcast. I went, all right, you, yeah, the one about Disney, it sounds like a nightmare. I went, Oh, what all the flights and the cancellations? She went, Yeah, and also the holiday. I went, pardon. Yeah. She went, Yeah, the holiday just sounded awful. And I felt like saying, I know I'm like on a podcast right. and doing I've, a public I've got, I've service. Got a lot of, I've got a lot of texts from friends who've gone, I'm never going to Disneyland yeah, after that, hearing that's that. That's fine. That's fine. They're texting you behind my back. You don't say to someone to their face. You know the holiday that you spent a lot of money on and waited two years for? It sounded awful. Who does that? I know I'm on a podcast and put myself... You don't, but you, that's not how you operate. You don't say that to anyone, even if you think it. I don't went, pardon? But yeah, your holiday sounded awful. And, oh, okay then. Bye. I was like, what? Oh, thanks. <laughs> I didn't get annoyed, but I was like, who says that to someone, even if you are on a podcast or not? That is so good. But yeah, that poor Lucy, but she had a great time anyway. But um, blimey, O'Reilly. Right, this is the episode of Connor Ben. Oh, do you know what? One of the most fascinating chats we've had. Absolutely incredible. I'm a huge boxing fan, so it was great to talk to Connor Ben, son of Nigel Ben, one of the most famous British boxers of all time. And a really interesting story about his rise um, up the ranks of boxing, but also his childhood and his new baby, who's only, what, a year old? So, yeah, yeah. brilliant interview with a, with a top bloke. Um, enjoy. This is Connor Ben. Connor Ben, welcome to the podcast. Um, I'm very excited about this. I'm a big boxing fan, big fan of yours. First of all, for our audience, can you explain? Um, you've got one child, is that right? I've got one son. His name's Eli and he is 15 months old. So you are juggling a 15-month-old with also yep. uh, burgeoning, well, an established boxing career, but you're sort of on your way up looking for world titles. And it's quite an important yeah. point in your career, really, at this stage, isn't it? It's all to play for, as opposed to some boxers and sports people have kids when they're a little bit older and they've sort of, you know, won the stuff they want to win and stuff like that. So how, how do you feel about that? It's sort of quite a busy period for you. It depends on what sort of person you are and your outlook on the whole thing. I mean... My son's been nothing but a blessing to me. He hasn't, um, he hasn't made me change my life so dramatically, to be fair. Yeah. I've come down to my partner being very helpful and understanding of my career and what it takes to get to the top. Um, but no, he's been nothing but a blessing. And it's all about perspective. You know, for me, it keeps me grounded uh, and makes me think about who I am as a, as a man. How do you kind of fit it in with training and stuff? Because presumably you have to go away for quite long periods to training camps and stuff. If I'm in the UK and I'm doing training camp in the UK, I, I will base myself well. My house is about 10, 15 minutes from the gym. I've just bought a house so close to the gym. So when I'm not at the gym, I'm at home resting. I spend more time with my family in camp than I do out of camp. Because when I'm in oh, camp, right. I'm, I'm yeah. home, gym, home, gym, home, gym. Um, so I'm always home, really. Like, yeah. I'm probably like one of the most hands-on dads you know, that you can put, they can possibly be. Yeah, because I suppose sometimes it's a bit of a uh, with like sports sports people and athletes, you sort of assume that they're just sort of so focused on the the job that they're, that they're not doing as much at home. So do you not find it distracting though? Like because you do need your rest, and if you're going in there and putting you know your body on the line in a fight, how do you manage the rest? How much parenting are you doing? 
Earplugs are a godsend. They are. When Eli, when Eli was first born, I was in the spare room for the for the first six months, and he was kicking off crying. This was for the Samuel Vargas fight. He was kicking yeah. off crying. My missus was like, I can't do this. Like, and I could hear her pulling her hair out, and I was just like, oh, I feel, um, I felt so bad. But she, under, she was very understanding. I've really just, yeah, my missus really does help out a lot. But I mean, I'm as hands on as I can be in training. Yeah. Depends on how I'm feeling. So if I'm just done 12 sprints in the morning to the verge of throwing up, then I've got to go home, rest. And then I, <laughs> the, following, the following day, I've just got my head filled in for 10, 15 rounds. Yeah. yeah, I'm not really going to be a hands-on dad then. <laughs> yeah, of course. You know but I mean? It's a balance, isn't it? Because you've yeah, got the best yeah. excuse ever. Because like, if you're, you know, like, it's, it's easy to do a podcast if you've not slept. It's just two blokes talking. But if you're yeah. going into a ring and there's a bloke there who's been training three moms to knock your head off, you can't go into that tired doing a night feed. <laughs> no, no. Do you know what? To be fair, and I mean, I'm saying this, my missus done literally all the night feeds. Nine and a half out of ten night feeds. Really? And then what about when you're not in camp, though? Do you do, does, does the baby just get given you? No, she tries to do that. <laughs> she tries to do that. And I'm just like, this is my resting period, babe. Like, <laughs> when I'm in camp, I yeah. uh, need my rest. And then when I'm out of camp, I still need my yeah. rest. So I come back refreshed. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it has worked, but then she clocked on a little bit. So then it was like, okay, everything I try and do would be. Yeah. 10 times harder because he knows it's, sh- it's like he knows it shouldn't be me doing it. Yeah. yeah. Well, it's, that's what I, because yeah. I'd sometimes, you know, go away for works for a few days or a week and you come back, you should forgot how you do it and stuff like that. It does. You do lose your confidence what, in it a little that, bit. Well, you forget how to change an nappy. <laughs> no, not that, but you know, they, they, <laughs> yeah, I've been putting them on their heads. <laughs> this episode is brought to you by Amazon Prime. You know Amazon Prime is not just a shipping subscription, right? It's got everything, including streaming TV and movies on Prime Video. And of course, Prime's fast, free shipping. Go from watching your favorite shows to getting your favorite things. Whatever you're into, it's on Prime. Visit Amazon.com slash Prime to get more out of whatever you're into. Want to be more active this summer? Sierra helps you save on everything from swimsuits to stand-up paddle boards, tennis rackets to fishing tackle. And if that doesn't float your boat, we also have pool floats. Sierra, let's get moving to your local store, like now. Go! No, but I find well, sometimes when you go away, maybe it's different when they're a little bit younger, but when they get older, you think they love boiled eggs, you do them a boiled egg, and then they go, no, I hate that, you don't, and they, they, yeah. they change what they like so quickly. It's Mate, hard to keep that, up. He does that all the time, but he'll pick and choose. He has to think for frying his food on the floor as well. Is your, yeah, your yeah. guys ever do it? Like, yeah. you, just, you just pick up the food, and then you, I'm like, mate, you know you like this. Like, you <laughs> like the breakfast. And I know you're hungry because you haven't eaten. And then he's just like... Like, is in disgust and just throws it on the floor. And then I try and tell him no. And then it's like his bottom lip starts quivering. And then it's just like, oh, give me a cuddle. I'm sorry. (laughs) How do you you switch off then? Because as a boxer, you're properly intense. You like, that's your, your, you you really flip a switch. And speaking to you now, you're a totally different person than in a post fight interview. How do you switch off between the gym and then being soft dad? I don't intentionally. I look back at my fights sometimes. Like I watch my fights back. I watch my fight, some of my fights back yesterday, my highlights, and I like. I go to myself as if that's me. I don't know if you know what I mean, but I look back and I go like as if like I'm that guy. Do you know what I mean? Because I don't feel like that guy, but I am that guy. Do you find boxing more intense, or your child not sleeping? Oh, when- definitely my child not sleeping. <laughs> oh my god! You know what? Every time mum goes away, which hasn't it's not every time. One time she's gone away and I said, I'm not having him on my own ever again at this age. Basically, <laughs> he, he, he goes to sleep perfectly normal like all the time. And um, she, she left uh, and he obviously just knew she wasn't there and he was up screaming, bouncing up and down in his cot at like three in the morning, wouldn't sleep. And I'm sitting up just like thinking, oh my gosh, I remember sitting on a step going, how does Victoria do this? I feel like it it is so much harder. If Vic told me to have Eli for a day or do two training sessions a day at 
maximum effort, I'd rather do two training sessions a day. 100%. It's way more it's difficult. Ma- when I go away to work and you're like, I've got to do two hours stand-up, that is so much easier than bedtime. There's no comparison. Yeah, yeah but... I don't think you've seen how Connor and Tony Sims train, though, Josh, for the way his two, his two training sessions are a bit more intense than you having a chat about debit cards oh, to people in Kendall. Oh, come on, Rob. I'm, re- I'm, re- I'm really sweating it out on stage there, mate. I'm really giving it some. You're still quite young, though, Connor. You're only 25, sort of like, have this career on the verge of world title shots and a baby. Do you feel like you sort of, you know, like it's all happening quite quick? Yeah, sometimes I feel like I've been a horn like and chew. So like when sometimes you sit back and you go, bloody hell, I've got a baby to provide for. And then sometimes it's like, mate, not too long ago, I couldn't even look after myself. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. yeah. And then you're like, oh, I've got I've got missus that I have to provide for. We we like this certain way of living that I have to provide for. We like this house that's maintenance is X, Y, Z a month. We then have these outgoings that are X, Y, Z a month. And then also on the verge of winning a world title. Then I have this, and then you just sometimes just go, oh my gosh. But then again, I like the the challenge. I, I, you know, I'm like, I'm that guy. Has it changed your attitude to boxing? Like, has it made you more focused? Or- um, not really. I mean, but in terms of being focused and... I'm driven. I don't think my son's done any of that for me. I don't rely on anyone for me to be successful. I don't rely on my son to get me out of bed in the morning or motivate me. You know, I do that off my own back because I like winning. I love winning. You know, the fact that I can be the best fighter in the world is enough motivation for me to get up and do my runs in the morning. What my son has changed in terms of me coming along is thinking about how long I want to be in this game for. Yeah. Yeah, of course. Because boxing, I'm very selfish. I, th- I feel like it's very selfish because I don't have to box. Most people have to fight for a living. Um, you know, I've got secure investments that I make sure that I don't have to fight. Do you know what I mean? I choose to fight. But then, so what? Am I risking my life for nothing, technically, to for bragging yeah. rights to say I'm the best fighter in the world over my son? So I look at him more from that, like, which is very, I don't know if it's twisted. I don't know if you guys get what I'm saying. No, yeah, definitely, yeah. And do you find that that's influenced because obviously your dad was a boxer? I wasn't born. He retired when I was born. I got the best of my dad, I suppose. I got him retired. My dad was just my dad to me. And that's yeah. where it, and that's where I come in to say it's more about who the man I am because my dad wasn't yeah. Nigel Bender that destroyed to me. My dad was my dad and how my dad was with me and as a family man was what mattered. It wasn't about what yeah. his career, it yeah, wasn't yeah. about him being this and being that. Don't get me wrong. It's cool to say, hey, you know, my dad's Nigel Ben. Do you know what I mean? Well, you, you grew up in, um, you grew up in, you spent a lot of time in Spain and Australia, didn't you? So well, when you were in Spain and five in Australia. Yeah. So is it weird? Cause you know, obviously Nigel Ben's one of the greatest boxers, of all, one of the greatest ever British boxers. And he's a huge deal over here. Was he a bit more under the radar? In Australia and place in Spain, like, or was you still aware of who he was? Uh, I wasn't aware. My dad was famous. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? You was? You no, wasn't? No, I wasn't no. aware, and which is mad. Thinking back, I thought like having like going to private school, dad drove, mum driving a Cadillac, dad driving a Porsche, living in a mansion, that mum jacuzzi. <laughs> but them not having to go to work was just normal life. But then, yeah. <laughs> But then again, yeah, exactly. I know it's bad, but obviously that's my reality. That's how I've grown up. So I wouldn't know no different. And it was nice because my dad was just my dad to me. You know, I'm happy he raised me abroad. I kept my innocence a lot longer. And um, yeah, it was good. It was good life. When you did find out about your your dad's sort of career like as you got older, because you, you moved from Australia to Essex, essentially. And, you know, I'm, a, I'm aware of this because I'm a big boxing fan. And you moved over on your own with no one. You didn't see any of your family. And you was in a little flat and you were trying to be a boxer. And at the start, you were you got a lot of grief for being, oh, he's only getting opportunities because of who your dad is. And then at the start, you, you were a good fighter, but you didn't sort of blow everyone away in the beginning. And then you went and trained with Tony Sims and you've become one of the biggest prospects. Did, did, you, did that give you more motivation then, like because of the grief you was getting about your dad? Um, have you guys got kids? Yeah. yeah. So, you know, when someone says to me, oh, you've only got what you've got because you're your dad. Say if that is the case and that is the truth. Don't get me wrong, it's probably one of the hardest sports in the world. How good is that? Because I want my son to have every opportunity and this is what parents do. Yeah. 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 
Do you know what I mean? So the person who, all the people who have done that obviously haven't got it from their parents and they're envious mm. or jealous about it. Or it's other parents who wasn't able to give that to them kids. Do you know what I mean? So it's like, mate, is that not the whole plan? Is that not what it yeah. is to be a parent? Yeah, 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 yeah. of course. Do you know what yeah. I'm saying? To give, to give your kids a head start in life, that's, that's yeah. the goal. If my son, I mean, my son's already like, he ain't got nothing to worry about. Do you know what I yeah. mean? Like, and he, he, he hasn't because at the end of the day, I'm going to make sure the I's are dotted and all the T's are crossed when it comes to him being whatever it is he wants to be. I will make sure all them doors he has access to. And I can go, here yeah. you go, son. Here you go, son. You can walk through that door. Yeah, it's something to be celebrated where in the UK, it's something that's put down. I think in America, that's way more positive. Well, I think what you say about it's quite interesting where you say people have to fight, but you choose to fight, which actually makes you more dangerous. That's what I think. You know. At the end of the day, I don't, I don't have to fight. Do you know what I mean? The problem is, is when you come from nothing, as they say, I mean, no one really comes from nothing. But when you come from nothing and you achieve a little something, you think you've made it. Yeah. But yeah. then when you come from everything, I mean, say a young millionaire, to me, that's nothing. Because my dad set the bar so high that I'm not even complacent. Whereas you grab someone out in the mud and put them where I am that, they've cracked it at life. They're successful, that's it, they're done, they're finished. When you grew up in that kind of uh, lifestyle, did your dra- dad try and give you drive in a different, like how did he instill this kind of winning ethic I in you? I think I'm the only one out of my siblings, oh, maybe, no, maybe my two younger siblings, but I think it's down to just the life skills that he's taught me. So I used to paint and decorate in Spain um, from a kid for from like full day shift from like 7 a.m. till it was like 4 p.m. And I used to do paint and decorate for 20 euros a day. <laughs> day, 20 euros. And I mean, they got, me, they got me doing the shit jobs like rolling the ceilings and, and like, Oh, hard work do you know what I mean and that's for 20 yeah. euros a day I remember I saved up my money and bought 180 euro watch I bought my mum a 100 euro tennis bracelet and I bought myself one of them various own phones that slide up and <laughs> oh, I know, like yeah, do you know what I mean so yeah, it's yeah. like that's I think that's where he sort of installed in me he never give me money for the bus or or um, or train or anything like that so I used to ride my BMX from Santa Ponza to Parma now, I don't know if you know Mallorca, but Santa Ponza to Palma is a bit of a mission. And a BMX yeah. bike has no gears, but I would ride all the way there and back. Do you know what I mean? So it's just yeah. that, my dad, that my dad taught me. I don't know, I guess, I think you're born with it as well. Do you think um, you'll be the same with your son as well? You'll be tough on him like that? I know. I always thought I would be. I always thought I would be, but I don't think I've got it in me to be as firm as my dad was with me. Yeah, because you're very similar to your dad, but I think you're a bit more you're a bit more composed, I'd say. Do you think? Or because like, my impression of him, obviously you know him way better, but if you feel like you're more composed and you channel energy, right? He's just like a big ball of energy that sort of explodes, kind of thing. All the time. He's crackers, my dad. And it's funny, but I mean, the older I'm getting, the more I realise I'm very near that mark as well. i know it's bizarre but i think you are what you are what your your parents are yeah you can't get away from it when you're parenting do you go oh god i'm parenting like my dad or do you feel like you're different parents no i'm a very different parent i think i think um yeah my dad was my dad was like a disciplinarian Mm. yeah know what i mean and i'm not I'm not 100 percent sure on, on that same approach. I mean, listen, it served me well because yeah, yeah. Like, I mean, look at me. Do you know what I mean? But <laughs> with my with my other siblings, it weren't as hard on them. But then you look at them and they're soft. They're so soft, like they don't live in the real world, which is fine, but they're like living like a bubble, and it's really funny to watch because I'm like, why can I not just be that kid as well? <laughs> yeah, like, well, like, you're like <laughs> Yeah, why did I have to? Why did I have to be like? You could have just got on Love Island and done brand deals. <laughs> Perfect. I mean, yeah, yeah. But you know, here I here I am getting punched in the face for a living. Um, it's just, yeah. You know what? I just think if my dad had to be firm on me to be the man I am now, so be it. 
Do you know I mean, we didn't get on for yeah. ages. We didn't get on for ages, me and my dad. We've had, we didn't get on for years, man. Was that when you were still living in Australia? Yeah. So it mainly started, uh, it was in Spain a little bit. So I was, what, 13? 13 right through to 19, I reckon. Really? Wow. Just the teenage years? What was, was that too many rules and stuff like that? He just didn't know. I don't know. He just had a lot of things going on himself. Do you know right. what I mean? Obviously affected me mainly because I was the oldest yeah. of my... And you're more aware of what's going on. I was more aware of stuff. what's going on, yeah. So it really affected me. And then me growing up, I was like, what, you think you can tell me what to do? Yeah. I mean, yeah. yeah obviously could, because he's like Nigel Ben. But yeah. you know I mean? <laughs> like destroy it. You know, if yeah. you do something, you've got to do it. You know, there ain't yeah. nothing about it. Exactly. So, he was in the military as well, wasn't he? So he had the boxing training and he was in the army, wasn't he? Yeah, he so did. That's what yeah. I'm saying. So he was, he was a disciplinarian, but then you got to remember his whole life his whole career, it's just a madness. Like when you, I don't yeah. know if you know about my dad's life, but his whole life was just like, didn't allow him to be the dad he he mm. was able to be. Don't get me wrong, I get it. Now I'm older, I get it, I understand. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. I understand you, dad. And you know what, I, do you know, I, lo I love you for just the man you are. Do you know what I mean? I completely get it, but it's had to take me, well, as long as it took me, which years I regret hating my dad when really, he just had a lot going on as a man. And does that kind of inform you? you do you think I really don't want that to happen with my own son? Um, I think so. But I mean, my dad was just very firm on me as well. So it was um, it's a completely different approach than I would have with my son. Yeah. Being, a, being able to, for him to just talk to me. Do you know what I mean? And me to just sit and yeah. just do so. To know that my son's going to go through some stuff. To know that, let him know that it's okay. To let him know that I've been there. Do you know yeah, I mean? yeah. I've made the mistakes. I know what you're talking about. I rather than talking to him out of fear that he's becoming exactly like me. I think it's a different generation as well. Your dad's generation to now, where we were a lot more open and we talk more. Yeah. Like, you know, you're ten yeah. years younger than us, but the, the younger generation and you've in the past would speak. I think I spoke to you about when you used to get down with boxing, and then you were speaking about it, and then you sort of got your head right. Where I think that wasn't an option for when you're the dark destroyer and you're a fighter in the eighties and nineties. Yeah. There wasn't a space where you could say how you're feeling, and it's come out in different ways. Yeah, don't get don't get me wrong. My dad's my dad's cried on my shoulder numerous times. Do you know what I mean? Mm. We've had some moments that only me and my dad um, know about. Do you know what I mean? And um, my dad is something like he's a special man. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. I think the older I get and the more I enter the real world, I realise everything he actually challenged and faced. Um, you know, and it's like, do you know what that take out to you, mate? Like, listen, yeah, you're like you're like a legend. Do you know what I mean? You make yeah. it, like you are, you are who you are. Do you know what I mean? He doesn't, he doesn't try and sort of steal your limelight either. He really let you get on with your career. And he, he comes to care. a few fights. Yeah, he, he doesn't come on. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? He's not even like, he's like, yeah, son, yeah good luck on your fight. I just got to shoot him, son, the old Barbie. And, um, I'm, yeah, do you know what I mean? Yeah. He, he, but he like, he just lets me crack on and do what I've got to do. But he raised me the man I am now. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Than me being here, I'll do what needs to be done. And do you think um, you'd? Um, how would you feel if your son wanted to be a boxer? I was I was very against it before he was born, and for quite a long time um, into him becoming a, a toddler. But I've now got to a stage where it's like I can do what he wants. Who am I to go? No, mate, you ain't boxing. Don't get me wrong; it's brutal, and it's not not like I won't put, go. Oh yeah, let's put him in a boxing gym and get making yeah. some amateur fights. Yeah. Like, no, if he wants to go to the boxing gym with me and train, he can come. If he wants to put on the gloves, put on the gloves. If you want to fight, fight. Yeah, I think that's a fair... Yeah. Some people are too yeah. strong either way. Either, yeah, they're going to do yeah. it, or absolutely not, but you've got to let them make their own decisions, I think. You're, you're forcing your children to be stand-ups, aren't you, Rob? You're absolutely forcing them. Yeah, 100%. Them. Yeah, I just <laughs> want to retire as soon as possible. <laughs> they can go out. Stand up, by the way. <laughs> What's that? How nerve-wracking is stand-up? Not as nerve-wracking as boxing. No, it must be, because I was watching um, Britain's Got Talent, and this geezer come out with some dead jokes, and I'm just thinking, <laughs> oh, mate, I'm going, like, I'm going like this. And I couldn't even watch it, because I was just really? like thinking, oh, mate, that must be so awkward. Like, he's cracked a few jokes, and everyone's just staring at him. 
You're getting punched in the face. But no, but I think it's similar to it's similar to boxing in, in, in a way because you get all the glory or all the hate because it's just you on your own. You have a training team, but you're in the ring on your own. You're on the stage on your own. But after a while, you get used to rejection and doing it wrong. And then you realise you don't really care because you know you're funny and you're trying your best and stuff. But it must <laughs> so, be the same for you. On, like, hold on. You know you're funny, but are you? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that's what I'm saying. Or do you just tell yourself you're funny and that's it, end of, I ain't up for discussion. I'm funny. Well, I, uh, if there's no one in the theatre, then I'm not. But if they keep buying tickets, they must be doing something right. Uh, do you know what I mean? It's easier than boxing as well, because you've gone 21 fights undefeated. Yeah. If you're a stand-up, you, you will lose 50 fights in your first six months. Like, as a stand-up, you go so yeah. badly at the start so often that you kind of just get a really thick skin for it, I think. Well, it's a bit like the am- that's sort of like the amateurs. In, but you didn't really do much to the amateurs. But in the amateurs, you lose people lose fights. It's in the pros. Yeah. But then in the pros in boxing, they do sometimes certain fighters, not Connor as such, get given fighters early doors. So it's like an easy win at the start, and it for pros when they turn over. Yeah. So that's a bit like you getting a gig in Plymouth, your first five gigs <laughs> in front of your friends and family. You're not going to lose that one. And then it's only as you go up the levels it gets tougher, which is where Connor's at now. But I, I hate gigging in front of my friends and family. I find that really stressful. Like, if I was a boxer, I'd be like, I don't want any of you to come and watch this because it'll make me I feel more stressed. I didn't let my stressed. dad come to any of my amateur fights. Really? He didn't come to one. And did he want to? Yeah, I don't know, but I never let him anyway. <laughs> yeah. I, 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 well, but you're, you're, cause you're, what's going to be interesting is you obviously were born when he retire, retired, but your, your son will be at an age where he ca- could come to a fight. You're only 25. You could fight for another 10 years, really, if you wanted to. <laughs> he, no, he's not interested about that. Look. <laughs> when are you retiring? 30? No, before I'm 30. And then what are you going to do? Do you know what? I'll do something. Do you know what I mean? But but I know I understand there's more to life than boxing. Um, whether it's commentary, whether it's yeah TV work, whether it's um, you know commentary on talk sport, design, whatever it is, even if it's outside of sport, forget sport for me. Yeah, the limelight sort of work. Um, I would probably go into PT. I'd probably go into training one-on-one clients for eighty quid now. Yeah, but so what's your what's your goal then is it like because if you're because most fighters would want to try and get as much money in, in as possible which is why you know people like amir khan and kelbrook were fighting you know when amir khan was probably a little bit past it for those last big paydays if you're financially secure what is your legacy what is it you're after the world championship or for me it's more about the world title because if i can't in the next couple of years we well next couple next in the within the year we'll know how good Conor Ben, if Conor Ben is the best in the world. And if I'm yeah. not the best in the world, what am I doing? Yeah. What am I doing? Do you know what I mean? Because yeah. listen, you, health is wealth, isn't it, they say. So it's like, well, what, I'm going to keep risking my health when I'm not going to be the best in the world. And what am I doing it for a paycheck? Well, well yeah. you know, as a, as a fan of yours, was that pain, was it Paynard who you had a rematch with? Was he called Paynard? Oh, yeah. Where Conor had a close fight with this French bloke and uh, you just narrowly beat him and you went, you got knocked down, he got knocked down. And then really most prospects, you would go, right, just move on from him because he was a difficult fight and forget about it and get another fight. But you demanded that rematch totally unnecessarily yeah. from a career point of view. So how will that mindset not change? from now to when you're a bit older, if you go close to someone that's best in the world. Do you know what I mean? I, for me, I know you said you retire early at 30, but I couldn't see you retiring in two years' time as world champion, but also fighting during about 40 because of your personality. <laughs> <laughs> you, you could go either way. You know what? I'm, I'm a strong believer in the right doors open and, and the wrong doors close. Um, so whatever doors open, we're all open. And whenever, whenever it's time for me to go, it's time for me to go. And would your wife say, would you, if she said, I want you to stop because, you know, we've got a family now and stuff? No, she would never say that. <laughs> she'd, be like, she'd be like, oh, we've got to part with you every day of the week now. <laughs> that's, that's what I'll be doing. And do you know what, probably, do you know what, though? I probably won't retire till about 50, 60. Otherwise, it's a lot of night feeds. I'd rather. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> So no, I'll make you right, to be honest, Rob. Yeah, yeah, you'll do another fight, another fight if there's a baby on the way. When you're not fighting though, and you're not in camp, do you, you have a lot of holidays with um, your wife and, and, and kid as well? Are you, you, you making time for that? Yeah, what I did realise is going on holiday with baby isn't really a holiday. 
no. No, I didn't realise. No. Like, I went Paris and it was just like, oh, mate, I come back. I was just like, I am so drained. <laughs> oh, yeah. It's brutal. It was either we're, we're shopping or uh, on daddy daycare. So it was, um, yeah, it weren't really like, um, it ain't really like holiday, but it's lovely because you you have like, you have like little special moments in the holiday. All of it's madness, no relaxing, mayhem, chaos everywhere. And then you'll have like one little 30, 40 minute window where it's like, that was really amazing. And that makes up for the whole ruin rest of the day. You know what I mean? <laughs> it's and weird though, it's so and true. All, yeah. And all the money yeah. and everything which was just wasted and ruined and come back <laughs> and cold and in my mouth because I'm drained. That 30 minute, that 30 minute window yeah. Yeah. is perfect. When's the last time before a fight that you'll see your um, wife and son? A week before. A week before? Yeah. Oh, wow. But I'm like, so in my um, in my zone at that stage. I could basically live in the same house and not be, so, like I have to really work on it of being in the room. Cause yeah. I'm, I'm there, but I'm not present. So I have to make sure I'm like very conscious of being in the room with the fam with my family. Otherwise, yeah. I can really easily not be present. It must be quite like uh, almost like an escape to do like little things with your kid, like uh, go to the park or like those minor things in you life. Live, like you, change live in, your... you live in England? Yeah. Yeah. Do you not see the weather outside majority of the time? <laughs> 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 I, I, didn't, I didn't get spoiled by growing up in Australia and uh, going to Spain, so Ooh. I'm all right with it. <laughs> Ooh, fair, fair, fair. <laughs> oh, I can't believe Josh just threw a pot shot. Kind I know. Of I know. He's, he's, he's on Zoom, he's isn't he? He's only fine now because he's on the other side of his, his laptop. Yeah. <laughs> but um, you know what? It's um, <laughs> it's just one of them things, man. I, I try to, but even when I try to, nah, do you know what? It's hard for me to switch off when I'm, yeah. in, when I'm in training. When I'm like preparing for a fight, they're big fights. Do you know what I mean? I'm selling out seven and a half thousand at um, Echo Arena, and then you know another seven and a half at uh, MEN Arena. I'm so goal driven to that date, that one moment that everything else yeah. becomes irrelevant. You know, as it's up, it's benefits and it as yeah. it's, um, it's down. It's only a short period, though. Really, your career in boxing—you live for six, seventy, eighty years, and it's what 10, 15 years of. You know, well, you've only going for about five years, really. But like, oh, yeah, you can so only I've be small. I've been pro yeah. six years, but I could potentially got another half tops, another one of them. How quick yeah. six years gone now? Yeah, yeah, exactly. But then, you, and then your son will be seven, and then you're retired, sorted for life, and you can really be there for the, you know, your son and maybe other kids you have. So it's just a short part of your time that you have to dedicate to it. But then it's that thing, it's sort of feast or famine, isn't it? You, you, what, the work you're putting in now will pay off when, if you can retire in six years, really, you know, and uh, have achieved your goals and then dedicate your time to your wife and kids. It's, it's worth it, isn't it? Yeah, I mean, it's, it's hard. I mean, because sometimes, sometimes it really hits me. And then sometimes I'm like, because got to remember my family's not here either. So, mm. so sometimes Ooh. it really hits me. And then sometimes I'm like, fine about it. Do you know what I mean? Like, it will be, like, fine up until I, like, hit a wall. And then I'm like, oh, my gosh. Yeah. Like, Who yeah. do you speak to? Have you got friends or your trainer or is it you, you ring your dad? Like, but, you know, because you are, you know, they're, you know, 24 hours in a plane away, your, your family. Yeah, like, my mum hasn't seen my son yet either. Her first grandson. Oh, wow. Grandchild. Yeah, I know. It's cause COVID. It's, like, it's all just, like, it's all just mad. But it feels like a bit of a blur. As to how I've got to where I've got to sometimes. Would you ever consider like um, moving your family when you finished boxing and stuff? Would you move to Australia or would you consider moving out of the UK? Australia's too far. Australia's too far, I think, um, from everything. I would move abroad, but I would still be in Europe. Again, there's so much going on. I, I sometimes think to myself, I don't know how I like. I manage, but I do talk to a life coach. Oh, really? Yeah, yeah it does help because it's like sometimes. You don't know if you're processing things the right way. Like just because you're yeah. like maybe I'm not processing it properly. Or maybe yeah. I am processing it, but maybe not the right way. Or maybe I'm dealing with this the wrong way. Cause it's like I feel like I'm still trying to find out who I am. Mm. At, but then yeah. like I don't feel like I am what the public think I am. What do you think maybe, the public think? Well, like I'm like this intense, aggy, aggressive guy. 
But I'm not. I'm far from that. But then maybe that's yeah. maybe I maybe I am that guy. Do you know what I mean? Or, or not... maybe you've got a switch that you everyone has their public persona, and that's what you need for your job. But Connor Ben, the person, isn't that? But a part of you is that you hone and you train and you unleash when you fight, but you don't let it slip into your personal life. Mm. Don't know. I mean, he comes out now and then. <laughs> 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 yeah, it's hard. I swear that geezer on the road coming out this morning was like that's uh, definitely yeah. <laughs> so you're so what you're saying is you don't know if you you produce the aggression and the sort of angry Connor Ben or that is the real you and you have a calm side in order to sort of you know live in society yeah I don't know I've, do you know what I mean I don't know it's um it's mad because it's like yeah it's, I'm just trying to I feel like to be in, being in the spotlight and being this certain way and people perceiving you a certain way and you sometimes you like try and want to know who you are. Like, who am I? Yeah. Forget the I, people you're around and the world you live in. And I mean, when I'm in, mm. I'm in the sphere I live in, which ain't great, but it's like, okay, so forget all of that. Let's take it down to the core. Who am I? What do I stand mm. for? What do I represent? What do I believe in? Because sometimes it gets clouded by everything going on around you. Not, I'm not talking close friends. I'm talking just across the board. Yeah. Sphere I live yeah. in. And I suppose the life coach is really helpful for that because it's someone that's dedicated to listen to you and help you work that out. Yeah, because it's like, Connor, who are you? Forget what yeah. XYZ's doing. Forget what they're doing. Forget what they're saying or what their approach is on life. Forget what the public think of you. Forget who you've got to be for the public. Who are you? Yeah, and I'm saying you, your dad's very religious. And did you was you brought up with religion? And do you still practice religion, or is it something as an adult you don't do as much? Yeah, I, I go to church. I go, I go to church every Sunday. I go to church every Sunday. Don't get me wrong. It's um, I was brought up in religion, but not the sort of not like when I mean religion, I mean religion, not relationship. I believe in relationship. I don't believe in religion. What, what do you mean by that? Like, God ain't out to punish you. Do you know what I mean? In my opinion, I thought God's going to punish you for this. Like, oh, mate. Yeah. That was a massive issue in my life growing up, was religion. Really? Like, I was told, yeah, told by my school that I had demons in me and I needed deliverance. Oh, mate, I'm not fucking 13. Oh, man. I'm a 13-year-old kid, mate. Do you oh, know what I mean? Word. So, what are you, why are you laughing, Rob? <laughs> no, no, I just no, I just I wasn't laughing. That's how my yeah, face was. Like, you're, like, you're like, you're like, yeah, no, nah, they were definitely right. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, wasn't. I was like, I've always got this face on. That's how I look. Um, but then, I was in a really religious school in Australia. Then that's what it was. That's sorry, that's my face. I'm terrible. That's how it falls. You know when people think you're aggressive all the time. That's how your no, face no. looks. <laughs> When, people always think I'm laughing. Everyone always thinks you're angry. Do you know what? I can't take you seriously now, Rob. Sorry. I'll turn my camera off. I'll stop smiling. My mouth's too big. We were talking about the school. So it was a really ultra-religious school, which was a bit too yeah, no, much was, for you. Uh, yeah, no, it was a very religious school. Um, they was told I had demons in me and it, it just weren't, um, it weren't nice. Do you know what I mean? Um, because I was like, I was a kid, then I was told that Antichrist is coming and the world's going to come to an end. On New Year's, oh, I was God, on my, my sins, hands and knees. Yeah, so like, probably like, and the school's like a cult. And you know what, I look back now and I go, mate, you damaged so many lives. Like, you yeah, ruined really. so many lives. I don't care what you say, you ruined lives. Just messed up, man. So And, I, and that troubled me for so long. Like, I was yeah. quite traumatic. Obviously, my parents weren't my parents weren't aware because they had their own issues that they were going through. Yeah. So basically, my yeah. school was a really private school of about thirty kids, but our school was also compliant with our church, so it was all over one branch. Right. The teachers of our school were pastors in the church. Oh, so it's all in together. It's all yeah. So Monday to Friday school, Friday church youth club, and then Sunday church and Saturday voluntary work for the church that so was all like in bed with each other do you know what I mean and right. that was so like I honestly thought it was same wrong with me oh, really because of what they were telling you yeah for so long I thought it was same wrong with me for like oh man oh it's so hard especially at that age when you don't know who you are at that age or what you are you're so confused anyway as a teenager so to have people in authority to tell you 
Yeah, but it was like my parents believed it because it was the church oh. saying it. Oh, and then man. the school said, so my dad was like, for I needed deliverance because obviously the church, is, church and school were saying it. That was our world. So, yeah. and my mom and dad now can't apologize enough. Like, they're like, yeah. we're so sorry. Like, we are so, my mom just cries about it all the time. But I'm like, you didn't, you didn't know. Do you know what I mean? Like, you thought that was what was best for, for me. I think it's really interesting that you've, it's interesting that you've kept the religion, that like, you kept a relationship. You go to the church on Sundays. Like, a lot of people would just push the whole it thing away. It took me ages, man. Like, like, I fell off. I fell off loads. Like, I've made so many bad decisions in my life, and I was only harming myself. You know what I mean? In those decisions. But when you look back, you go, no wonder I turned away from my parents or no wonder I turn away from the church or no wonder I went down this rebellious route and this, this bad route. But then it's like, what? My, even my parents believe I have demons in it. Yeah. Oh, at least, you know, that must've been so hard. At least you sort of all made yeah, up. They didn't know, did you know what I mean? So I know it's like quite deep, but they didn't know. Yeah, no, they thought they were doing the best thing for you. Yeah, yeah. So, and, and then when my dad obviously said everything he had to say and he confessed, which by the way is very brave of, of man when he didn't uh, confess all his mistakes to us. I was like, what? You had the nerve to tell me I got issues. When, <laughs> okay, you've done you know, that. And that was what it was like. And I needed, I needed counseling for years, years to get on with my dad. Do you know what though? I'd say like, cause I've, I've sp spoken to a lot of boxers and a lot of athletes and you know, you're so young still, but like, I think that counseling you've done has been so helpful. Even though it was prompted yeah. by a, a terrible experience, I think yeah. in a way, and you never know at what point something's good or bad for you. And obviously that was a horrible thing to go through, but the benefits from that is the counseling you've received. Uh, you are so level-headed and so composed and so in control of your emotions and planning of what you want to do you're not running on fear anymore you're running no. on sort of a positive energy of you know who you are and you know what you're doing and i think the counseling's been imperative in that and i think it's what's helped your progress obviously you're a naturally gifted athlete but your mentality yeah. and your training is second to none and i think from from a composed mind it's really helped you say that because i got i've gone from that up until i was 18 19 then i've come here and i've been kind of been so I've had no, I've had no time to really go. Hold on a minute. Let's think before I went to that school and before I went there to then when I started getting in trouble from eighteen to nineteen. And by the way, what happened with me and my dad was what was a godsend. Was I got in trouble, some proper trouble. And bearing in mind, I needed counselling for years for me and my dad to get to yes yeah. talking. Yeah. Eighteen, I got in trouble. Yeah, trouble. And he, I come home and he, he went, son, I love you. And literally that moment was like the, the whole dynamic, the whole ice broke between us. Oh, wow. Oh. Which was, and then 19, I come here and then I'm like, oh man, why have I got to move to England and live here when <laughs> me and my dad now start getting on? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> And then everyone talks to you about your dad. Yeah. Yeah. Then I'm like, oh man, I just wish them years of growing up, I had spent on good terms with my dad. Yeah, of course. Rather, but now I'm like, mate, I wish I could get that time back. Yeah, of course. Yeah, yeah, of course. And life works, you know, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah, but it's a lot, it's a long life and you're still young. It, the good thing is that that'll inform how you parent. And I'm, I imagine you're kind of, you know, you're, doing everything you can not to get in that situation yourself with your own son. Yeah, I'll take my, I'll take my son to church every Sunday. My wife takes my son to church every Sunday. Um, he will be involved in church. Do you know what I mean? But I will never force him to have a relationship with God. And I'm not going to be like, if you don't pray 10 times a day, you're going to hell. Do you know what yeah, I mean? Yeah, of course. Any relationship shouldn't be dominated by fear, whether it's a yeah. relationship with God or with yourself or with a partner or your job or your industry. It, it, if anything that's run off fear, you, fear's adrenaline. It's an impulsive response. You can't have lots of it because you, yeah. know, you eventually burn out or have a breakdown because it's too much. It's too much to yeah. cope with. So I think, you know, whatever relationship you have, as long as it's not run by fear. 
Um, but yeah, no, I think it's, it's, it's such a, an interesting story. And I think it's so good, just so open of some of your age and the stuff you're going through to be open yeah. about all that kind of stuff. And I haven't been open about it much, not as much as this, I don't think. To be able to talk about stuff like that is just so useful for so many people who are listening, I think. I think well, it's... I still struggle now. It's not something that I've still, I still struggle now. I sometimes think to myself, what man would I have been? Like, what person would I have been if I if I was able to have a childhood. Yeah. And I think as well, it's that thing of you, all these things that you go through as a kid sort of open up again when you have kids, because you start going, well, when I was at that age, what was happening to me? Do you know what I mean? And you'll probably get it when your son's 13 and going to school. Again, you'll probably think about it and how you felt going to school and things like that. It all comes back up again. I think it's made me very soft now about looking at my son. I'm like, man, like I pray that you have like all the, childhood that I'm that the whole experience of whatever it is like being able to watch a kids film like Disney like oh, just loads of stuff man like oh Disney run by oh, all that mate let, let me let me like Lion King man <laughs> like, let me enjoy Lion King <laughs> do you yeah. know what I'm saying yeah, yeah. or like let me enjoy Harry Potter or Lord of the Rings, or I've I've only just started facts for you. Yeah. Yesterday, day before, was the first time I've I've sat, watched one of the Harry Harry Potters of Azkaban or whatever it is. Yeah. yeah. Did you like it? Like, yeah. Me, yeah. I thought <laughs> yeah. I thought sick. Let me live. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so what's on your list of stuff to do with your son when he gets older? Then because then you can sort of live through him, can't you? Anything else, Harry Potter? <laughs> what me dressed up Halloween costume? Yeah. <laughs> Exactly, <laughs> big Halloween party. You know, but it's only when I got, it's only when I've told my other half that this was what I was told that she goes, "Oh my gosh!" Like, yeah, she's lived like a really normal childhood. Because I, yeah, because what I would say is, it don't matter how powerful how powerful God is, your wife will always win. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. <true. laughs> Talking about when you talk about fear, trust me, I feel my wife more laughing. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Connor, that's been absolutely amazing. We have one last question we always ask, um, but um, I don't want you to get a slap around the ear from your wife. It's uh, what's the one thing your partner does parenting wise that annoys you, but you don't want to bring it up in case you have an argument? Is there something she does that uh, winds you up a little bit? She moans when he moans. Okay, so it's a double whammy. Yeah, no, I mean, like, I'll be like, mate, like, he's a baby. Like, babies moan. Like, allow him to moan without you getting up about it. And I, I'm like, I'm like, like, what do you expect? You know, like, when your baby's crying or whinging, you go, oh, she, yeah, he's whinging. That's what babies do. She goes, oh, but he's moaning. I'm like, well, what do you expect? Yeah. And she does it all the time. And I'm like, why are you whinging, babe? Like, yeah. That's all the counselling and therapy coming in, isn't it? All that is <laughs> yeah. what it is. <laughs> There's nothing worse than being zen when a baby's crying and you're not feeling zen, is there? Yeah. <laughs> It is what it is. Well, it's fucking crying. Um, <laughs> Connie, you've been absolutely amazing. And I'm a huge fan and wish you all the best for the fights coming up. And good luck with your, reti- good luck with your retirement in three years. Retiring <laughs> in three years. <laughs> Listen, yeah. hopefully, I'm, hopefully I'm in, on a yacht somewhere having a pina colada. Oh, fingers crossed. <laughs> Connie, you've been absolutely amazing. Thanks so much, mate. See Cheers, you soon. Mate. Thank you. Take care. Connor Ben, there we go. Do you know what, Rob? I'm going to say it. My C of E primary school was was actually quite laid back about religion, it turns out. <laughs> do you know what they like? Because there's so many sliding scales of religion. We're like, we, yeah. we didn't do religion at all in my family. Not from yeah, any... No, me just, I, I don't know. There was a lot of other stuff going on. But um, but yeah, that was... He's so... I, I'm such a big fan of Connor Ben. He's... he's, he's um, Obviously, like as he was talking, the difficulties, his teenage years and stuff. He moved over to England on his own after what was obviously I didn't really realise, but quite a traumatic teenage years. And he's been he got he got so many pelters when he first started boxing. Everyone just going, oh, he's only doing this because he's Nigel Ben's son, blah blah blah. Yeah. Nigel's Ben's son, blah blah blah. And that must have been so difficult when actually he was having quite a difficult time with his dad. 
at yeah, that point yeah, yeah, when he yeah, moved yeah, over. And he's getting all that. And when he first started, he was very raw. And he wasn't... Everyone th- sort, of, sort of thought, oh, he's not that good, actually. It's just all hype. But then he knuckled down. And he's been Tony Sims, who's a brilliant trainer, has been working so hard with him. And that he's, he's doing really, really well at the moment. And he's becoming one of the best sort so of So do prospects. you think he could be a world champion? 100%, yeah. I mean, he's at the level now where he's beaten everyone at his level in sort of the UK and Europe. And there's a couple of step-up fights that he needs now. So it's really in the next year or so, he'll be fighting the top level to try and find out if he is truly world-class. Because the current world champions are absolutely unbelievable. So he's sort of got one more level to go up before the elite. But when I'm talking about elite, I'm talking about some of the best like two or three fighters in the world. So yeah, he's a, a remarkable fighter and a mar- remarkable man. I think he's a brilliant advert for sort of counselling. So I've, I've spoken to him before about he he was very honest about his feeling down and his mental health and stuff. And I just think ca- counselling, whether you've been through something traumatic or not, gives you a really measured way of looking at the world. Totally, it was amazing talking to him. Um, but yeah, I'm a big fan of Conor Ben. Good luck in the boxing, mate. And uh, oh, we should get him back on another time. Maybe yeah. when he's got a few more kids when he's retired. When he's in three retired, years. yeah, well, he'll have nothing to do. He Absolute might as well talk to us. <laughs> Someone will call him out at 42 and he'll come out for a fight. Um, anyway, that's Conor Ben, absolutely brilliant, and we'll see you on Tuesday. Bye.